Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Today's reading is from Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17, through chapter 2, verse 10. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped under my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever, But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Thanks, Trinidad. Before we get going this morning, uh, let me pray for us. God, we invite your spirit to convict us and comfort us this morning as we lean on your mercy. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm curious, have you ever found something in life that consumed you? And is there something right now in your life that has swallowed you whole? Something that has brought you to a place where you don't even know whether God is good or whether God is present, or maybe you don't even consider if God is a part of your story. What do you do when life swallows you whole? And even more, I wonder, what do you do when you've messed up? When your decisions have caused your misfortune? It may be something small where you said something insensitive to someone in your life, or maybe you've created a mess in your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworker, with your best friend. Maybe it's something significant that swallowed you up. Years of neglect, years of arguing, years of lying, years of selfishness, years of deception. And today you ask, is there any way out of this? Is there any way out? Not out of the relationship you care about, but out of the downward spiral of pain and frustration you find yourself in. 
Many people may be thinking this morning, Matt, you are reading a little bit too much of my life. But I wonder, have you ever named these feelings to the God of the universe? Have you ever cried out for help? What if there is something or someone to be found at the bottom of the pit? And maybe that's more important than getting out of the pit in the first place. My name is Matt Delano, and I'm one of the ministers at this church. Luke mentioned this earlier this morning, but uh, we are in the midst of a series called Turn, a season where we collectively turn our hearts towards the good news of Easter. But one thing we have to remember is that as we turn towards the good news of Easter, we, off, we also have to recognize the ways in which life often swallows us up. Because as Christians, we have done this for, or many Christians have done this for a long time, entered this season of repentance as a way of, yes, I've chosen to give my life to Jesus, but now I have to also daily choose to turn my heart over to God. And so over this series, we've actually created three ways. We want to just give you, remind you of this, three ways that you can participate in this season of repentance. One of which is we provided uh, handouts that allow you to daily be prompted to prayer in this season. Another way, Luke mentioned this as well, that on Wednesday nights at 7.30, there is an opportunity for you to come to the building and to be prayed over or to pray with other people followers of Jesus. And so we invite you to do that. And then lastly, we just want to invite you to read the book of Jonah with us. This is a story about repentance, and Jonah witnesses to the personal struggle he had with it. So we'd love for you to join us in those ways. But I do want to say, if if the story of Jonah is new to you, I want to give you a little bit of context. So um, one, Before we get going, you can find the book of Jonah in the middle of the Bible. It's after the book of Obadiah and before the book of Micah. But if you don't have a Bible with you, we will have the text on the screen when you need it. But Jonah's story is simple, to say the least. He is a child of God, and he is running away from God. He's trying to evade the God who actually called him to speak to the people of Nineveh a people known to be vicious and living contrary to God's will, and yet Jonah does the opposite. He runs the opposite direction as fast as he can, and he doesn't seem all concerned about the fact that he's running away. That is until God pursues Jonah through a storm of God's own making. And Jonah just happens to be a sleeping passenger on the boat in the midst of this storm. I wonder, do you all know, know someone like that in your life, right? The person who like caused the chain of events that are happening, but they're like, I'm going to keep quiet till it becomes a big deal, right? Like, then I'll, let, then I'll let you know what I did. I think this is important because I think everyone on that boat would say, Jonah, it would have been real nice if you told us this before we set sail. But that's not the situation. So the fellow sailors and Jonah together realize that This is Jonah's fault. And yet, out of nowhere, Jonah has an extreme confidence in one thing. He says, if you throw me overboard, this storm is going to calm. And so they do it. 
And just like that, the waters move from a fierce storm to complete calm. It works. And the sailors actually turn themselves to God, the God of Jonah. And all the while, Jonah is floating or sinking to his death. Or maybe not. Jonah had rather die, and God does something outlandish. He provides a grace and a mercy and an escape. And you wonder how. I mean, we read it this morning. Supernatural swimming ability? No. A magical rowboat appearing? No. Angels? No. A big fish to swallow a dude whole. Yep. And many of you may be thinking the same thing as I am this morning of like, God sent a giant fish to swallow a disobedient dude whole in the water. Yes, you heard that right. But I have to tell you, my first instinct as I read this passage was not to consider whether this was real, but was to consider how nasty Jonah would have been right? He would have been stinky and slimy for days. Three days in the belly of a fish. I mean, he may also not be able to hear anymore. I don't know if you've heard uh, your friend or your spouse's stomach grumbling, right, when they're hungry. Think about being inside the intestinal tract of a fish, right? That would be annoying. I don't know if there's much silence there. But what we do know is that this fish not only had him for three days, but it also vomited him out. This experience stayed with Jonah. And y'all, I've, I've experienced some gross things, right? I mean, I experienced my son as a baby peeing in my face. That happened. It happens when you're changing diapers. Just be prepared. I've experienced the explosion of poop on your lap from a newborn, right? But I don't know if my experience stayed with me in the same way this did. As I picture Jonah in the belly of the fish, I see an extreme discomfort that somehow is a grace for Jonah. The grossest, unlikeliest place is where God fully meets him. And so if you don't hear anything else today, I just want to say this. If you are in a gross place, if you feel alone, if you feel like there is darkness all around you, you can turn to God. Even if you don't know yet, you can turn to God. One important caveat, I got to say this before we go any deeper. I could talk about the fish all day, I know some of you have probably got your phones out and you're typing into Google, which type of fish could actually allow Jonah to survive? Don't worry, we won't talk about that too much. But there are 48 verses in the book of Jonah, and the fish is mentioned only three times. So let's let our imaginations take us to the belly of the fish, but let's not get caught up on it. Because the importance of this story doesn't revolve around how it happened, What matters is that it is happening, that it is the story we've been given. 
Our God is both miraculously able to save Jonah through the provision of a whale, and the power of this story can't be minimized by the possibility that it could just solely be a metaphor. The God I know is powerful and creative enough to send a big fish to be your sanctuary. That's the beginning of Jonah. The start of a story, the start of transformation in a way that is hard for us to comprehend. And so I wonder, what do you do in the belly of a fish? What do you do when life has swallowed you up? I think our friend Jonah and God have some wisdom here in how to get us turned around. How to get us moving in a direction where we get out of the jam and turn to God. So the first step here that I think Jonah is speaking to is this. Repentance is sometimes telling God how we feel like God has turned on us. Sometimes God just simply wants us to say, God, we think you've left us. God, I don't understand this. God, why are you allowing this to happen? And the starting point in our story is actually the turning point in Jonah's story. He finally makes a right choice when he realizes how big of a jam he's in. In verse 1, he says, from the, or it says, from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. We don't hear anything else. All we know is immediately upon entering the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Jonah hasn't used many words up to this point, and now he opens his mouth to pray. And I think here is where we remember, prayer is not simply receiving the things we want from God. Jonah is actually witnessing to the power of prayer as a way to align our minds and our wills and our hearts with God. And yet, unfortunately, and I know this to be true in myself, we often only pray after we've tried everything else to fix the situation. But this isn't the way. A lot of times I think about um, the dialogue that has to happen between God and I when I think of Amber and I talking to our kids. Beckham and Avery have both had very different growth in speaking or different uh, ways in which they've grown into speaking. And oftentimes when our kids have spent a frustrating amount of time physically trying to get us to know what they want or what's going on or what they need, and they turn to their words. Limited they may be as an 18-month-old and a three-year-old. But the crazy thing is because Amber and I hear their voice often enough, we usually figure out what they're trying to say. Everybody else looks at us like, what? That's not a word. And we're like, yep, ball. <laughs> this is what God wants. He wants to hear what we're feeling, even if it's not true, even if it's just how we're feeling. He wants to know. And if you're a parent or a grandparent in this room, you want to know how to help your kids. And sometimes it takes a lot longer to, the, to know the experience of your child if you can't understand what they're trying to say. If you haven't taken time to dialogue. 
I'll tell you all a story. So not a fun story, but five years ago, uh, for a season of graduate school, I made uh, people-pleasing and perfectionism uh, my idol. And it, it broke me in ways that I couldn't have imagined. For those of you that know the Enneagram, I am a two, and so people can bring me down <laughs> pretty easily. But my faith got deconstructed, and I worked in some places, some prisons, some churches, in school, where I just witnessed things that were hard, that were new, that made me rethink who God is and who I am. And I lost my identity to the point where I struggled to see the goodness of God. I tried to talk my way out of it. I tried to do more things. I tried to serve more people. But at some point, my body decided it was too much. I had an anxiety attack that actually lasted for about two weeks. You would think I was close to God as I was doing ministry grad school work, but I couldn't have been running harder away. I mistake proximity with God for intimacy with God. And I was in the pit. And yet God was so close to me in ways that I couldn't fathom, in ways at the time that I probably couldn't name, right? After the fact, I couldn't name them. But through my wife, through my friends, through my pastors, I realized, man, I try to control a whole lot that I can't control. I try to depend on myself for a whole lot that I can't possibly do. And they pointed me to the fact that I actually need to make more space for God more than anything else. Because the point is, every time I make other things my idol, every time we align ourselves with something other than Jesus, it takes more and more time and space for God to change our orbit. To get us back to a place where we can confess to God, God, I don't have it. It's out of control. And God says every time, don't worry, I'm sending a whale. Y'all, I know it is both terrifying and refreshing to know that the God of the universe is always close enough to know exactly how you're feeling. But have you named those realities to him? Sometimes repentance is telling God what it feels like when God has turned on us. When Jonah was without hope, God swooped in. So with this, I, I want to ask just a couple of questions. What, what do you need to heal from the pain that you're experiencing? What do you need? And what would it look like for you to actually share the ways you have been running away because you thought God abandoned you? Think about that today. The second thing Jonah teaches us is that repentance is not just sharing with God, but it's turning back to the words of God. This is important and super convoluted, guys, because in the second chapter of Jonah, Jonah chooses to pray, and the words he actually says give us incredible insight to how much Jonah needs 
to be turned around. He begins his prayer in this very specific way. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. So this is fascinating, guys. The, this phrase right here, I called, it also means to cry out in Hebrew, to preach. This is the same Hebrew word that God used when telling Jonah he needs to cry out to the Ninevites. But he was unwilling. The Ninevites were desperate for God, but Jonah wouldn't call out to them. And yet whenever Jonah is desperate, he falls back and crying out to the only place he can call God. He needs his inconsistencies worked out. But what's beautiful is Jonah's choice to actually pray seems to completely shift his mindset. I don't know if you've experienced that before. When you're in the midst of a dark place and you just pray and something changes. He had to remember that God had been faithful. And so he confesses the ways that his disobedience has not only minimized God's ability to to lead him, but it's also maximized the pain he's experienced. He allows the word of God to reorient his thinking. This is really cool. So These are just three examples, but there are seven times in this text or in this prayer where Jonah literally repeats the words of the Psalms, where he lets the word of God actually remind him of what he had missed. And we see his his heart and his word shift in verse six of his prayer. He says, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Jonah needed to change his thinking in the matter of God's call, and he had to recount how terrible things were as he's bounced around by the crashing of the waves inside of the belly of the fish. He had to realize when he walks into difficulty, he has to know that the Lord our God is there. In Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through one another, in the heart of this, this section This prayer is this. Jonah learns that the belly of the fish is not a happy place to live, but it is a good place to learn. A good place to learn. So I know you don't want to ask this question, but I wonder, what would it look like for you to learn in the belly of the fish? What do you need to learn that you're running away from? Because the truth is, Jonah had to go to the bottom to get reoriented. He had forgotten God's words, he had forgotten God's presence, and he had chose idols instead. And so this morning, I wonder for you, what have you made your idol? What have you worshipped or chosen over God? Is it your job? Do you, do you care more about your job? Do you put more time into your job than your family or God? Do you make your job an idol and yet you lost it and you can't find another one? Did you make parenting your idol? And your kids or uh, your teens are like going down a dark path and you're like, I don't know what to do, and yet you just constantly blame yourself. You constantly uh, lash out at your kids or yourself or your spouse. 
The heart of Jonah's running seems to be his idolatry. And he names this in verse 8. Trinidad read this this morning. He said, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. They turn away. And some writers believe Jonah is talking about the pagan sailors who practiced idolatry on the boat, but I think just as much he is talking about himself. Some of us worship our gods. Athletes, politicians, grandparents, pastors, celebrities. Some people drive in their gods. And believe me, a minivan has been a lifesaver. I'll tell you that much. Some people live with their gods, right? Like your spouse, uh, your kids, your parents, your housemates. Some people serve their gods. Money, alcohol, many other things. Some people's own ways and their own desires simply become their God. And that is Jonah's story. That is why he couldn't possibly fathom like, God, why would you send me to this terrible group of people? And so he had to turn back in his mind to God's word and say them out loud in order to realize what he had missed, to root out everything that he tried to substitute for God. Because sometimes we have to ruminate in the belly of the fish to realize what's captured our heart. Jonah had too high a view of himself to recognize his own need for God's grace. And if you get a chance today, I, would, I just want to encourage you to do this. I know some of us have been in some really unpleasant situations in our life. Some of you may be experiencing that right now. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God can and does work in that darkness. God works in that darkness to refocus your attention back on him and to also give you the grace that you need. Because the truth is, God didn't cause whatever that unpleasant situation is, but he will work in it. And if you've experienced that, I want to encourage you to thank God for that today. But if you are still in it, I want to encourage you to, be, to, to ask someone to pray over you today. To pray God's words over you for healing and change. All right, last one, guys. The last thing that I think Jonah teaches us really well is he points us to the cross even before Jesus comes on the scene. Jonah says repentance is, or, or Jonah points us to repentance is relying on God's salvation to be the only thing we can ultimately turn to. By the end of Jonah's prayer, he's at his lowest moment and he becomes completely overwhelmed by the power of God. He says, I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. 
And what's beautiful, I don't know if you've caught this, is that Jonah does not say this after he's out of the belly of the fish. He says it in the midst of the belly of the fish. Jonah had to learn that his ethnicity wouldn't save him, his religious credentials wouldn't save him, his own efforts wouldn't save him, only God could. And that is true also of every single Ninevite, because Y'all, we live in a world where we are constantly trying to justify ourselves to others. We're constantly trying to justify ourselves to ourselves. And today we have to consider, will we actually acknowledge that God alone saves us? Will we respond by giving him our life afresh and looking for God to justify us, to bind us up, to heal us, even because of pain that's caused by our own disobedience. In acknowledging the truth of who God is, God actually enables Jonah to serve God in the same way he originally called him to. When that happened, everything that had been leading him became faint, and the the voice of God was the only thing that was resounding. God realigned him, and he wants to realign us. In his book, uh, Soul Salsa, I know it's a cool name. You can find Soul Salsa somewhere on your local library. Uh, Christian thinker Leonard Sweet shares a beautiful story about an unusual tribal custom. He writes, One tribe of Native Americans had a unique practice for training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, he was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. And when he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of thick woods by himself all night long. Every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt it was a terrifying night for many. And after what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest, and looking around... He saw flowers, trees, and the outline of a path. And then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away. Armed with a bow and arrow, it was the boy's father. He had been there all night long. God never forsakes his children. He wants us back, and God is doing, willing to do whatever it takes to awaken our hearts and to point us to the reality that God wants us to be anchored in deep intimacy with him, not avoidance of him. Jonah found sanctuary in the strangest place. And so I wonder, where is that place for you? Do you have a place of sanctuary? a place where you can go and give yourself fully away to God. 
if you've wandered from God or you don't know God, if you need help figuring out how to get alone with the God who sent Jesus to save you, we would love to help. As we close this morning in a few minutes, uh, you are going to have an opportunity uh, to take communion together. Uh, We have tables set up throughout the room uh, where you can walk up whenever you feel ready uh, to take the bread and the cup as we remember what God has done for us through Jesus. Uh, We're going to sing a few songs together in a few moments, and that'll be a time where you can do that um, as you want. But I want to leave you with this last thing. Repentance begins with asking God this question. What pain have I not invited God into yet? What place have I been that has consumed me so much that I have thought I am fully alone in this? And what would it look like to invite God into that pain? Because when you invite God in, nothing remains the same. He doesn't leave you in the depth of your sorrow. He doesn't leave you in the valley of dry bones. When things have been most broken, God does not abandon you. God is moving. God is here in this place. And y'all, you have to hear this prayer from Jonah this morning. He says, I was as far down as a body could go. I was as far down as the body could go. And the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me out from the grave alive. Oh God, my God. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, so we didn't have to. Jesus descended into hell, the belly of the earth, and faced darkness unlike anything else. He saw the depths of our pain, and he healed it forever. Are you ready to invite Jesus into that pain? Say yes this morning. Invite him in. Because he has rerouted your trajectory from the grave to glory. Let's pray this morning. God, as we enter into the space of communion, we invite you into whatever pain has become our idol or our crutch. We lean into you today and we say thank you for not abandoning us in the pit. We need you. We need you, Lord. The darkness inside of the fish helped Jonah to see you and know you and hear you in ways we long to see you and hear you. Thank you, God, that through Jesus and by your Holy Spirit, you stand beside us with words of reorientation, with words of comfort, and words of transformation. May the bread and the cup remind us that you never leave us alone no matter how alone we feel. Help us to see the ways you're delivering us.